Welcome to CCI Insights, a periodic podcast for CCI members from members, retain resources and staff. We hope you enjoy the latest episode. If you ever have any ideas for future content or people you'd like us to talk to, give us a shout out. Just contact one of the staff at CCIA. Thanks a lot. Enjoy. Dean Fredico and Jim Valley, welcome to the CCI Insights podcast. It's great to have you guys on, uh, senior leaders at Perrin Knight, an actuarial consulting firm. Um, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, Dean Fredico is is living the uh, opening up the economy. He, you may hear a little background noise uh, while he's en route in his vehicle. And uh, Jim joins us um, from uh, the Fort Worth area, right, Jim? That's correct, out of our Fort Worth, Texas office. Yeah, it's great to have you, both of you guys on. Uh, I know, Dean, you work in the area of business development. I really appreciate you spending some time with us to talk about uh, what Perrin Knight is up to. And, and Jim, you're, you're more on the consulting actuary side, mostly on the life and A&H side. Maybe I'll start with Jim. Um, you know, we, we do like in our format to learn. Uh, it's an opportunity to learn a little bit about our member companies as people, and then we will transition into the firm and then, and then talk about what you're seeing in the marketplace. But Jim, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you, like me, kind of started out, I think, as an electrical engineer as far as studies go and then moved into, you went to music from there? Well, yeah. What was that I'm, path? Yeah. Well, well, it's always, well, it's, yeah, it's been a kind of confusing path. I was, I was born yeah. and raised in, in New England and I went to the University of New Hampshire and was started out as an electrical engineer. But yeah. I was also very involved with the music scene at the time. I was involved with radio, um, also involved with many bands and promotions. And then, of course, myself and a bunch of friends, we decided that, you know, in the 90s, Austin was the place to be. So we all got up and moved mm. to Austin. And while I was there, you know, whilst I still uh, was involved with the musical activities, I decided to get a, a finish up my degree in mathematics at UT Austin. And then that's how I ended up becoming an actuary after I took a couple of actuarial exams and then uh, got my first job up in Dallas. But um, yeah, I've been, I'm a, a, a healthcare actuary, uh, been doing it for 27 years, you know, um, got my degree in mathematics at UT Austin. Um, but since I've been up here, um, also I've been, kind of involved with the music scene and about seven years ago uh with some friends and i we um started a uh, a music label um that was actually kind of a, the formation of two other existing music labels that kind of merged together and since then over the last seven years we've uh we've had about 100 releases and about worked with 30 different bands we were the uh, we won the best label award from the dallas musical music awards from uh 2018 2019 so we've had some recognition here in the, the, the local area so it's been a lot of fun. Uh, needless to say, between my actual consulting career at Prairie Nights and, you know, in my uh, uh, off work activities in the music scene, I'm pretty busy. <laughs> yes. And we no kidding. We do appreciate getting uh, access to you, uh, Jim, being so busy. Um, that, that's an amazing uh, combination of of activities. How about you, Dean? What what was your what's your path that led you to Prairie Night? Oh, so actually, uh, quite interesting. So I, I went to uh, school um, and I got my first degree in finance. I, I didn't, I didn't love what I was doing I, the whole time I was um, going through school. I, I'd always worked in a pharmacy, um, you know, just making some extra money uh, to pay for school. So uh, after I, I graduated with my degree in finance, I, I decided to go back to school and I went to pharmacy school. So I am a licensed wow. pharmacist. I'm a licensed pharmacist in Florida and New York. And then uh, my, my goal was to always open up my own pharmacy. 
And um, and that's when the CVS started popping up and the Walgreens. And I, I didn't really see a future owning a pharmacy. And then I, I happened to meet uh, uh, Tim Purr. And um, at the time, there was only about uh, five people or five employees at the company. And you know, Tim was looking to grow his business, and we kind of hit it off. And I, I packed up my my, uh, my my belongings, and I moved to California. And that was my California dream. And so I've been with Per Night now for about 22 years. So well, Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That is, that is really great. Um, a farm. Wow. What a path. So you went to California, but then you're based out in New Jersey, right? Correct. Yeah. So I'm okay. originally from the East Coast, the Northeast Coast. So we opened up an office in Jersey City in 2003, and I moved out of California to open up that office. Okay. Well, if it's any consolation, Dean, you did retain your East Coast accent slightly. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I, I, love saying, I love saying coffee and water. So. That's, uh... <laughs> Dean and Jim, thanks for telling us about yourself. It's always great to learn more about the people behind the, the companies. Uh, I should mention, too, we really appreciate your support of CCIA. It's really important to our uh, member agenda, uh, whether that's delivering insights or advocacy, that we have that financial strength and the engagement from our members. So thanks so much. Um, having said that, tell us about, uh, a, you know, Parent Knight is a full-service actuarial firm, but um, go ahead and tell us more about their services. So, so, so per night, we started out as an, just a purely actuarial consulting firm in uh, 1994. Um, over the course of time and just out of the request of our clients, we, we kind of added uh, complementary services. So uh, currently now, uh, what we provide is, is actuarial consulting. Uh, we have a, a product design forms consulting to complement mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, the numbers itself with the actuaries. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a, a team of, uh, of compliance professionals uh, they're, they're experts at uh, uh, state filings. Uh, each department of insurance uh, throughout the U.S. they have their own little nuances, and we're experts on you know, what the departments are kind of looking for for the quickest approval of uh, insurance filings for our uh, our clients. Um, also, to complement uh, you know, those services, we do we do licensing, we do uh, some data services, some statistical reporting. Um, and we also do operations and technology consulting where we help our clients, um, you know, pick, pick out the right systems for, um, for what they're doing, or policy issuance, rating systems, accounting systems, uh, stuff like that. So, you know, we're, so we're, we're, we're more of an actual consulting firm by far. Um, you know, we try to service our clients uh, and give them like an end-to-end -end solution to get their, you know, insurance product just right or to the marketplace as quick as possible yeah and then jim maybe you want to talk more about the a and h uh, sure, part of sure, our city. Sure. well yeah i think you know that's one of the things that attracted me to per night was actually the, the ability to offer you know kind of end-to-end -end solutions rather than just being an actuarial consulting firm so you know in my part you know uh, my field that i focus on is the accident health practice particularly supplemental health so we work in all types of like um, ancillary major medical kind of coverages like critical illness, disability, all types of accident plans, um, and you know, um, and that kind of nature. So, um, and we've been, do I've been here since 2009, uh, kind of, I was the first A&H actuary here. And so I've been growing my practice uh, to su uh, su um, support um, those lines of businesses. I mean, because predominantly we started out as a property casualty firm, 
Um, but then, uh, you know, now we offer, we can you know, basically offer those end-to-end -end solutions for all types of insurance coverages, both on the PNC and A&H side. So. No, that's, that's, that's great. And I, I know in a prior life, we used uh, per night, I think, for some nationwide filings, Dean, to, the, to your comments about that. And then I think you also mentioned, um, I know it may have been you, Jim, the uh, per night, you, you do travel and then pet as well? Right, that's correct. Yeah, and travel insurance is one of those types of insurances that both encompass uh, PNC and A and H elements. So I think that's one of the things we're really very strong at is like you know we're um, coverages that have kind of both uh, straddle both kind of um, uh, lines of business or types of coverages so, like with PNC and A and H. So I think that's one of our differential advantages. Also, we offer pet insurance, which has kind of been growing since over the last four or five years. Mm -hmm. As you know, as and that's one of the areas that we've been uh, very. Um, out front with as like being kind of a market leader, helping companies get into that market space. And interestingly enough, pet insurance, even though it's mimics a lot of like what we think traditional A and H insurance, but it's considered property casualty insurance. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because pets are considered property, so that's why. So. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I think NAIC, both of those products have had a lot of attention at the uh, NAIC. On the travel side, I think uh, the market conduct annual statement is a new mm -hmm. um, requirement, right? And then on the pet side, I thought they just came out with a paper in the last year, mm -hmm. and they're looking at some kind of perhaps model regulation. Right. We, we don't track it real close, but you're, you're definitely in the there's a lot going on. And I imagine with the economy um, coming back, you know, tra you're going to see a lot more travel getting purchased, I, I would expect. Yeah, a lot of companies are actually getting involved in, in, in uh, improving their travel portfolio and kind of ramping it up um, with the anticipation that people are going to get back and travel. Also, like the since with COVID-19, uh, that, that issue of like potentially like uh, future pandemics or future um, uh potential trip cancellations or trip delays, things like that, because of pandemics like COVID-19 have become uh, much more focused um, for uh, for people adding in kind of endorsements and riders to their existing coverage. So, yeah, it's, even though we were down traveling, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, uh, we've, yeah. we've certainly been very busy with product development. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that's always exciting um, just to hear about, you know, or to be able to work on some new stuff out there. How about from a um, just broadly uh, with legislation like the American Rescue Plan, those types of things? What what are the implications of of some to some of the lines of business that you're seeing there? Yeah, so, so we don't really do. I mean, we do some major medical consulting, and we do have sure. medical clients. But our, you know, again, our focus on supplemental health. But of course, the American yeah. Rescue Plan is going to be, it, it, and we've already seen it now with some uh, with some of the enrollment uh, trends here with these special enrollment periods across the country. Uh, it's going to uh, encourage more people um, to actually get on exchange plans or Obamacare plans online. So I think that we're already seeing that on. I mean, the subsidies for people uh, making $60,000 or less are going to be uh, enhanced. So I think there's going to be a great opportunity for people to uh, uh, to get into get medical coverage where the, previously they probably were priced out of it. Uh, so the implications on my side is that, you know, when once people have these plans, they're going to st still realize that there's significant gaps in coverage just because, mm. you know, with high deductibles or high out of pocket spend um, for for getting this coverage. So that's where I can come in and kind of supplement that care, you know, with like maybe like a hospital indemnity plan or a critical illness plan or an accident plan uh, or, or sometimes we call a gap medical plan that actually just focuses on covering your out of pocket costs. 
So I think that's going to uh, once we kind of get the settle settle um, uh, once it all settles through that uh, you know, with this you know enrollment and see how it actually upticks. Right. You know, a couple of years down the road, we're going to see that uh, uh, possibly you know some more renewed interest in the consumer side for the supplemental health products. No, I, I, that's really interesting. I know even some of the uh, platforms like Deccan might have kind of a critical illness rider. Mm-hmm. And things like that. I wonder if you're going to see more people purchasing that uh, as a result of what's happening on the mm-hmm. medical side, because all of us are seeing these gigantic deductibles now. Right, right. And that's just the nature. I think we're kind of like back in the day when health insurance started out, it started out as catastrophic insurance. And mm-hmm. largely, that's kind of sort of what's turning back into, <laughs> you know, with like first dollar coverage being per, the responsibility of the person. So. Oh, okay. So we're seeing the circle of life on the medical side. Correct. Correct. Oh boy. Okay. What about from a, um, I don't know if I'd call it a distribution perspective or access. I know uh, we had talked a little bit about how, um, especially with the pandemic that we we're seeing more telemedicine happening. What, what kind of things are you, are you seeing there? Well, that, yeah, that's uh, again, on the major medical side, we're seeing a lot of plans adopt telemedicine as a part of their plan design. I think that's, uh, we, it was there, it was kind of burgeoning, you know, back, you know, around 2013, 14, 15, but now with obviously, you know, COVID-19 having an impact and people not wanting to go to hospitals or go to uh, urgent care clinics and, you know, even doctor's office visits being, you know, kind of like, uh, uh, you know, actually during the pandemic, a lot of times, um, those office visits were, you know, kind of parsed out more, or there was actually office offices were closed down. So the only way to actually talk to a doctor for most times, your, you know, your PCP or primary care physician was through through some sort of online uh, video chat. So I think now that, but they're finding that it's, uh, it's, you know, it's an opportunity for people to have, you know, quicker access to their doctors rather than having to kind of set up a like appointment to go into an office, but then also it's finding it's, it's actually a cheaper way to kind of interact with your doctor. It's not necessarily curtailing any kind of like serious, you know, emergency room utilization or, or even urgent care, but it's definitely cutting down kind of like um, uh, some doctor to office visits and some urgent care visits, which I think is, is going to be positive. From a okay. Perspective. I can tell you from a personal perspective, I have a, I have a question. I'm not going to put you guys on the spot. Um, I tried to initiate a telemedicine visit when I was out of state. And it, it was like the, the only thing you couldn't do for this. It was a, mm. it was a derm, uh, dermatologist. It's like, oh, you know, send us a picture or whatever, you know, because I have like <laughs> a skin leisure or something. And, and uh, it's, you can't do this out of state. And I thought, well, is that, just, um, is that just the regulatory environment where you can't, you, like I'm in a different state, so they can't service under my insurance plan. I wasn't really sure what the issue there was i don't know if you guys have any idea what that would be about <laughs> maybe it's just me it's probably just me <laughs> well I, so. well i think i think that was i think that was the uh, the intent of having telemedicine would be is to facilitate rather than like you know so if you have like an out of area emergency that you could actually access your own doctor while you're you're away from them away from your your, t- your your residence or nearby residence so I think, I don't know if there was an issue there. I mean, it seems to me the internet isn't necessarily that uh, kind of keeping, having any kind of firewalls, depending where you're located. Right. <laughs> so, right. Uh, it's but, probably me. I, I guess I'm going to need to follow up. So but I was it, scratching but, but my it, head, it, like, this is exactly why telemedicine should be here. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it was a connection or, or did you had it the, yeah. you know, yeah. the, where you were.
How about from the, um, you know, the COVID-19 perspective, obviously uh, many people have unfortunately passed. Um, are, are you seeing, what, what kind of implications are you seeing at, on different life events, whether that's, you know, life or, or NH disability and any reads right. there at this point? Right. right. Well, it's, I think, well, I think, the, you know, the Society of Actuaries hasn't come out with anything definitive oh, yet, but, Okay. But, but I think what we're seeing is there's been some speculation that, you know, mortality, uh, you know, it's more uh, life expectancy has always been kind of upticking year after year, you know, since, you know, for the last hundred years. And I think this is, we're going to find for the first year in a while, you know, maybe since, you know, before World War II that we actually life expectancy um, isn't increasing, but it might actually slightly decrease. So, okay. So, okay. which I think that's kind of very interesting. So, yes. Uh, so, and yeah. then of course, the other issue from my side of the, my side of the fence is that because of all the deferred care due to COVID-19, there's thought that some of the chronic and critical illnesses that people have kind of didn't get the necessary care so that, you know, the, these, once they go to go back to the, to see their doctors and that the, these situations could have progressed um, adversely and therefore, you know, could be kind of expensive down the road, more expensive than if they had been getting, you know, maintenance treatment during, during the pandemic. So. Okay. So I wonder, yeah, if you're a bit of a cynical insurance person, does one, does that suggest a potential increase in adverse selection? Right. For... Right. Well, especially with the open, you know, especially now with the, you know, with the increase in subsidies and people getting back onto exchange plans. Yeah. I think there's definitely right. look to be um, uh, some potential adverse selection is, is more the unhealthy going to get, you know, get coverage, but, right. but counter, but counter to that, I mean, I, you know, for instance, I, I work with a health plan in California uh, um, and the open special enrollment period there, they've, the people that have been enrolling surprisingly have actually had better historical uh, health histories than, you know, than the, the existing population. So we're not certain that's going to happen, but, huh. but it's, it's, you know, again, intuitively, it seems like that would be the situation. So. Yeah. I was wondering too about adverse selection on the credit insurance debt protection mm. chassis possibly. I mean, there's been, you know, the old anecdotes about, you know, someone doing estate planning and taking out that big loan, knowing they're, not going to be around for very long and did the pandemic exacerbate that right right no, exactly. it's just speculation no it's at yeah, this that's, point that's interesting yeah how about from a development perspective I, I know the debt protection for example has been kind of anchored on on consumer loans for quite a while are you seeing any other loan types that look interesting out there or yeah, we're getting a lot of renewed interest. Of course, you know, when, in my practice, we also facilitate debt protection development for, for you know, for uh, the A&H lines. I mean, it's also, there's some P&C coverages like unemployment and, and property. Right. Yeah, but yeah, I work with, you know, the life um, disability. Um, and then, of course, there's actually now critical illness um, uh, coverages as well for, for debt protection. But yeah, the, for the consumer loans, I mean, the new type of loans that we're seeing, we're getting a lot of interest in is student loan coverage. Um, I think uh, hmm. so, so that's that's we've had we've got we're actually engaging with it, uh, one client right now here actually got a kickoff call this afternoon um, talking about like uh, providing our types of NH and PNC type of coverages to student loans. So it seems like there's a demand out there for and particularly, uh, you know, with uh, with COVID-19 and kind of the um, uh, uh, adverse effect on the employment situation. You know, and, right. the, and of course, you know, as people are kind of trying to get back into work, there's issues that, you know, um, you know, we there's not I think there's an issue to try to protect student loans. Hopefully they'll get defaulted because of unemployment, because, you know, they may get sick or, you know, or they may get you know hospitalized for COVID-19 or other situations. So I think there's been an issue 
or thought out there that, um, you know, uh, student loans now need are a good area for protection for debt protections. Yeah, that I can see that. That's interesting. And as we, I think we all know, student loans are such a significant portion of mm-hmm. consumer debt in the United States. I, I don't know if they're number one still, but right. boy, they were they were up there for quite a while. That's right. interesting. And, yeah, and I think it's it, especially if a younger person was saddled with some significant student loan debt. You certainly don't want to see them, you know, uh, jeopardize their credit history so early in their, their working career. So I think the thought is is like you know. Given the challenges we've seen, you know, you know, back even 12 years ago with the Great Recession and currently with the, the pandemic, that I think there's a desire to make sure that these loans are protected um, through some adverse expense, adverse events. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you, you'd be surprised that. Um, in this podcast, time moves so quickly. Mm-hmm. I think it's a special uh, Star Trek time warp or something like that. But um, really appreciate you guys spending some time with us so we can learn a little bit about you, but also about Per and Night and then things that you're seeing out there. I, I, to me, one of the big takeaways is Per and Night being the um, really having an end to end solution, particularly for insurance product development. So I think mm-hmm. that's one of the themes to to take away and, and the consulting work uh, that that per night does as well. So are any other uh, thoughts that you have for the, the, uh, our listenership out there before we, well, again, I think just want to reiterate that, you know, I, we, you know, we offer the true end to end solution. I think it's just to emphasize that, you know, we can start with market studies to, you know, policy form development and compliance reviews to, you know, pricing your product and developing all the rating materials that you need from rating manuals to, to actual memorandums. Then with all the filing assistance, with the transmittals, and we actually have a great little platform called statefilings.com that you can actually um, uh, see in real time uh, the progress of your your state filings. And that's a really great tool. We even have clients that just, even if they don't use us to file the products, they actually use this tool to manage their own internal filings. I think okay. you can talk about that a little bit. But, and then of course, uh, you know, of course also we, support interrogatory, you know, post-submission um, assistance, you know, when states come back with questions. So if you need a product to get out in the marketplace, you know, we can, you know, we can develop it for you. We can strategize with you, speed to market, you know, and and we've been filing all types of products, PNC and A&H, over all the jurisdictions, including Puerto Rico and Guam um, and D.C. So uh, we have a lot of experience and, you know, we definitely can help you. Yeah, Jim, I think you said that quite well. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think Dean, I think Jim needs to go on the road with you for some business development. Yeah, don't you think? think so. Anytime, yeah. Dean. Anytime, Dean. Jim, Jim, I'll come pick you up right now, all right? Yeah, it's going to wait a few days. <laughs> well, hey, guys, thanks again for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you for being such great guests on our CCI Insights podcast. Um, and I look forward to meeting both of you someday, perhaps at one of our meetings or another conference or otherwise. So take care and thanks again. All right, All right Tom. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the CCIA Insights podcast. Again, if you have ideas, please send them our way and be sure to share this with your team. Thank you.